comfort is just a state of mind, right? You say what's comfortable and not comfortable. So expand your breadth of what comfort could be. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. So how are you? I'm living. (laughs) I'm having a really, really good time with my life. Uh, I'm having all these experiences where I have to like look left and look right and say, is this actually happening? Like, is this actually how good it is? Um, just like for my own thing, for people with like personal life stuff, I, I got to uh, DJ a show. So I've been DJing for like, as hard as this is to believe, bro, like eight years now. Can you believe that? I, I can believe that. I think I started, well, a little under. I started on my birthday in 2009. So... 2017 so we're like a few months out from eight years which means you've probably been doing it for like 10 or 11 years right yeah i think i started in 06 yeah something like that so yeah i never really like go for trying to get dj shows or anything like that but i'm in this community like the deep house sound is pretty popular right here in socal and um we have this guy uh john who's started a company called garden of eden about two years back and it's kind of like it's become like an event company um, so they got a warehouse space in uh, up in Carlsbad, <clears throat> and he could probably hold like 500 people. So we had, I don't know, probably close to 300, maybe even 400 people come out on Saturday night. And I get to actually be like one of the headline DJs uh, for this for like 90 minutes. And it was just stupid amount of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and they put a stage out in front of me and had all these beautiful women dancing. So I had a nice view and... It was just fun, yeah, and, and everyone really seemed to enjoy it. So we had a, a really, really fun evening, um, and it's like our community, so it's kind of like private, but like a big event at the same time, and just really comfortable. And my friend Amy's out here visiting me, so she got to enjoy the experience and like be with our community. So yeah, it was really fun. And then uh, Friday we had that. Um, for those of you guys, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go on my Facebook timeline, um, and also I just uploaded it on YouTube as well, where I did a basically an hour and a half, two hour conversation i guess you could call it interview for michael bledsoe's podcast but we'll feature it on ours also because the content's mm-hmm. just that good with me marcy and michael just kind of like jamming. really yeah jamming and i, I kind of want to cover some of that here too if we can and i i called it like problem solving in, in fifth dimension uh really like starting to think multi-dimensionally or i should say multi-density um when you're looking at how to problem solve uh so i don't know if you had something specific in mind but uh, the two things that have been coming up for me is like the the clarity around the illusion of the mind creates and how to not try to overcome it, but how to start leveraging okay. that. Yeah. And then uh, the second thing would be, yeah, just like talking about how it is that perception beyond third density. Yeah. And and then looking at that as a uh, problem solving stuff. So if you want to, I don't know if there's anything you want to sure. say specifically, but the only other, I want to, uh, I was going to share with people. I actually did uh 
transcendental meditation course this past week. Nice. Um, which was really, I mean, surprisingly good. I didn't really expect, I, I didn't go in with any sort of expectations. I didn't really know what it was. And um, I have to say, hands down, the winner as far as meditation is concerned for ease and depth. I've already, so I started this last week. Since last week, I've had three meditations where when the timer and or buzzer or and or somebody told me like, it's time to wake up, I had no idea where I was. Just okay. Can you, can, you, can you speak into it? Like what, what is it? Cause I, I'm also quite interested. I know they offer courses out here. What's the difference? So it, it, here's the thing. Like this is kind of where I'm at a little bit of a loss um, towards what it is. And it's actually, I actually thought that to allow people from our Ascension program as one of the things that we send them to um, it's not super expensive. I mean, I think it's like 960 bucks. You can even break it up in four month payments. So it's, it's not crazy expensive. It's not super cheap. But having said all that, um, the methodology itself is so simple. And that's, I think, why it's so good. It's just, it's so simple. It's simpler than anything else. The thing that I'm not quite clear on is why you really need the course. They they give you a mantra. It's your own personal mantra. And it's your mantra for ever. It's like your mantra for life. The only, the only way that you would ever need to retake the course is if for whatever reason you forgot your mantra, say like you, you left the practice and five years later came back and you forgot your mantra, they would actually bring you in and for free that you, you do tune-ups for free for life. And if you couldn't remember your mantra, you'd basically have to go through or like pay for the program to go through it again. So, so, they, so they give you a verbal contract, a verbal mantra that you're just uh, repeating over and over again? Yeah, they basically give you a verbal mantra. And um, the thing that I, I, I'm not quite clear on is what's the difference between – because like you can find the mantras online, right? Like there's a list of – if you type in transcendental meditation, like should I take the course, there's – 79 different posts and like what I mean is like, you don't need the course. Let me tell you. And it just gives you all the information and gives you all the mantras and all that stuff. I'm just, the only part I'm not clear on is, is that mantra somehow, I mean, they do interview you and you do answer questions. And is it somehow specific to you, which, you know, I, I, couldn't really ask in a straightforward way, like, why do you need to take the course? Can I just pick a mantra and do it? You know, I felt bad because like I'm obviously paying for the course and the guy's been doing it for 47 years. So was, I, was mm-hmm. I was literally sitting with someone who got taught by Maharishi, Ooh, wow. which, which was very, very cool. And, and the, the interesting part guy, he looked so much like Tzvi. Really? Yeah. Like hmm. same white hair, same blue eyes, same like skin. It was just, I'd walk in and I just felt like home. I, I mm. felt like Svi was there teaching me, you know, it was really quite interesting. Svi, by the way, is our uh, grandfather who who passed away, who we were both incredibly close with. Having said all that, it's very, very simple. And, and what I wanted to share with you guys here today is something that I was taught. I just wanted to share with you something because I shared this with a buddy and and his wife of mine just the other day. And she's been it's interesting have you noticed bro that like a lot of people in our circles have started to daily meditate yes and i have other interesting news to share with you after you share this piece 
That was, just, like a, that was like a miracle that happened yesterday. I just find it fascinating that um, once we've kind of made, and, and it's not like we've made people or told people like you have to do this. It's just really interesting to watch how we've kind of shifted. And then like, I just, Leon called me and he's like, I've been meditating every day. My wife, our parents, my mom started, then dad now does it, does it twice a day, does it to sleep, been sleeping for the first time in like a decade plus. So really interesting stuff. So the, the number one, um, the number one complaint, well, there's two complaints that most people say about meditation. One, which is fucking bullshit, is I don't have <laughs> right? It, the, 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 the most nonsense response. I actually did a presentation in front of a group of entrepreneurs in New York City, about 30 or 40 of them. And they were like, just really, you know, doers. Like New York is just do, 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 do. Like, let me do more. Let me do faster. And I'm like, ah, snap out of it, people. <laughs> So I just asked out of curiosity, like, how many of you guys meditate? And four people, four out of 40 raised their hands. I was like, oh, God. Like 5,000-year-old methodology is here at your fingertips for free. <laughs> Slightly proven. <laughs> Use it, you know? Um, and it was, just, it was shocking. So one is time, right? Everyone's like, I don't have time. I don't have time, which is just complete and utter nonsense. Like, this thing that you use every single day to create your life, uh, strategize, breathe, speak, interact, all of it is just nonstop. Go, 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 go. The fact that you're telling me that the, the thing that is used most, it's like saying, I want to run marathons. I want to be the best marathon runner, but I'm going to do no exercise. I'm just going to run. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm just going to show up to marathons. That's what I'm going to do. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You know, like exercise the, the thing. So that's thing number one. Now, thing number two is a little bit more real for people. Um, and that is, I'm not doing it right. Mm. And I think one of the biggest, biggest misconceptions, and, and I've heard this quite often recently when I, when I talk about meditation is I can never get my brain to be quiet. I can never get into that stillness. I can never get into that silence. I can never. So let me just break it down for you really, really clear. That's not the objective. There's no objective that says you have to be clear of thought that you have to get to nothing that any of that stuff, right? That happens here and there. And it's not the objective. The objective is sit down and breathe and be quiet for 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. That's it. That's it. Whatever happens during that day, if your mind decides to go absolutely bonkers that day, let it go bonkers. If your body decides to twitch and move and fidget and all that stuff that day, let the body do that. It just, if your breath is shallow that day, your breath is shallow. If your breath is deep that day, your breath is deep. If you fall asleep, you fall asleep. If you stay wide awake, you stay wide awake. If you get pissed off by every single noise in the room, that's what's happening that day. And still, that's a perfect meditation practice. So, that was always my, my mindset. Now, this guy, what he taught me, I was just, it was one of those, he said it to me. I was like, wow, that is so genius. So, mm -hmm. and it's so true to life also. So the way, the way TM works, I want you to imagine for a second. And by the way, is anybody that's on here, uh, has a TM practice or, or has done TM? I'm just curious. You know, you just start and you start using the terminology right away. What are you brainwashed? Just kidding. 
No, everyone calls a TM. Like. I know, I know, I know they do. <laughs> just, yeah. like the typical thing you hear, like, oh, you're yeah, using the terminology yeah. of even very much. <laughs> well, you know what it is? Transcendental meditation is one of those like super long and difficult things to, to say. So TM just works better. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, the way he explained it to me is like, if you can imagine the ripples on top of a lake or, you know, a body of water, right? And then at the bottom, there's the, the bottom of the lake, just a, a still piece of, of land. So if you can imagine that's a representation of your brain. And what happens is that little bubbles from the bottom are floating to the top. And the thoughts that you have that have already manifested and exploded in your brain are things that started at the very, very subconscious, pure consciousness level. And they were so tiny and undistinguishable to you till they eventually rise to the surface to your, you know, 10 to 15% of the brain consciousness that we use. And at that point, you're like, where of it? But it doesn't get manifested there. It manifests from the bottom here. And what mantra does is it is a sound resonance that it, it's a perfect sound resonance from mind and body. And when the mind picks up on this resonance, the word doesn't mean anything. The phrase doesn't mean anything. It doesn't sound like anything, but to the mind, it's almost like when you dive, the mind just picks it up and then gravity takes over. And so that mantra basically starts allowing you to drop down into pure consciousness. So it eases the mind. Physiology, it's really like it's the most relaxing meditation I've ever done. I don't know about you, bro. Like when you meditate and you sit, right? Yep. Does your head ever drop? Are you like... Like when you're done, are you ever like this? Yes. Okay. So I that's actually, I have to consciously push it back up because I, I feel like it actually um, shuts down the pathway. So that's never happened to me. Like I've never I've never been like this. Like oh, that, I feel that happens to me like every day, every meditation. So I feel my head going like this, and then I go like this, right? Um, the whole point is just like you let your body do what the body does, you let your breath do what the breath does. There's nothing to do except for mantra. Nothing. There's no way to breathe. There's no nothing. Now, so I actually like within the first five minutes of me trying this, when he was like, all right, we're done. I literally found myself like this. And when he was like, we're done, I had to like cripple myself out of this state of just like, oh, totally. And then there've been there two time. Well, one time at the center, we did a 10 minute meditation when he was like, wake up. I was like, it was like hearing his voice from like miles away. Mm-hmm. I was like, where did I go? And that was in 10 minutes. And it's happened to me twice at home. That's like a DMT experience. Yeah. Just super like gone. You know, you're awake, but you're not there. Mm-hmm. There's no thoughts, no sounds, no anything. Really, really amazing feeling. Um, and they actually teach you to stay. There's like other techniques that teach you to stay and then play in that world. And like ask questions and interact. So, but that's like later. Um, here's what I wanted to share with you guys. So everyone's like, my mind is really loud when I meditate, right? I, my, I can't shut it off. I, I'm thinking about all this, my to-do list, my what I did yesterday, what I have to do today, what I said or didn't say, blah, 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 right? The way he explained it, which I thought was really profound is, so the mantra basically, and this kind of happens in meditation also, but the mantra basically brings you down. So if you think like, you're going through your day and you're like this, like really just uh, like, can you, can, you, can you give an, can you get an example of the mantra? What is it? What do you say? 
It's just a sound. You can't, share, you can't share your mantra. Oh, you can't share your mantra. So it's a yeah. vibrational frequency, like you're oming, basically? It, they have their own. I mean, like if you go online, they, you, can, you can see them. Um, and, this, and this sound is based on the interview that you take and, and they just kind of like get, they channel this for you, essentially? Al- allegedly. Alleg- well, I mean, this is a practice that's been around for a long time. I'm the, sure this is the part that I, that's the part that I'm not clear about. Like, he was like, you know, it's based on what you've told me and the conversation and this and that. I'm like, okay, so does my mantra change as I get older, right? Like, I'm going to change. My physiology is going to change, all this stuff. And he's like, no, it's yours forever. Which leads me to believe, like, you could pick any single one and it will work. Just build the relationship with that mantra. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I don't know. I need to have conversations with people that have done it for a long time. Well, so, so for, for instance, Kathleen has been doing it since 1992. Um, Kathleen, can you give some feedback on that? Like, what is your experience with the mantra? I'm curious. Yeah. Like Kathleen, in your experience, does someone ha- like, a, I know they say that a teacher has to give you the mantra. I know that's what they say. I just don't know if that's like a way for them to get people into the course. Cause the actual practice I can teach someone in like an hour top. Sure. Sure. So regardless, so the mantra, basically, like you say, mantra, it drops you. Now, if you imagine like in your day, you're just very pent up and like, "Mm," right now, when you meditate, even if it's not from here to like, uh, but there's a slight release, you know, like in the mind, in the physiology, there's a slight relaxation. So as you drop into this more relaxed state, both mentally and physically, What's happening is they believe that every thought that you have is just stress being released. So it's like just stress coming from the bottom and, and, and ending up in a thought. So as you relax more and more, it's natural that more and more thoughts, right? Because like, the, and, and the more you relax, in fact, the bigger energy, the stress can get released Because you're basically relaxing all of these different aspects of you, which allows more and more and more stuff. It's almost like in in ayahuasca, right? Like you allow for stuff to purge out of you, Mm -hmm. both physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera, the same same type of thing. So in fact, when your mind is really loud, that's that's a sign of a really good practice, meaning like you were able to relax to get all that stuff there. So instead of being in an argument with like, oh, my head is really loud today, because he asked me a really interesting question because one of the days I came and I was like, man, my practice today was just shit. Like I couldn't get comfortable. I couldn't get quiet. I heard everything. I was just like, I wasn't present. Mm -hmm. And uh, he asked me an interesting question. He goes, okay. He goes, after the meditation was done, how did you feel? I was like, actually felt good. You know, like, I was relaxed. I was peaceful. This and that. And he's like, well, that's great practice. You know, it's not about reaching some sort of event in meditation. It's about what occurs in your waking state after. Mm-hmm. And all of that release and all of that stuff that gets to be let go. That's really, really great practice. So I thought it's really interesting. It's almost like um, the analogy I, I used was if you go scuba diving you know, to, to, to drop down, you have to basically release the pressure in the vest and then you, you go down and then generally people get like really scared. So they kind of bounce back up and then they get more comfortable and they relax again. So the way it happens is you go down, stress brings you back up. Right. But then the next time you go down, you don't go back down to where you were, you go down lower. 
And then that makes you more relaxed. So that brings you up to the next level, brings you up again. And so you keep doing this kind of like circular, almost like spiraling down effect till you get down to this pure consciousness, which is nothingness. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was a really good analogy for life in general. And the reason I, I say for life in general is because we are always in an argument with how life shows up. This is good. This is bad. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't be thinking this way. I should this and that. And it's exactly what we experienced in Colombia, right? Like everything is perfect and everything is here to serve your highest self. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he says that, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. What if the context of life was, wow, thank you, stress for showing up in my life so I know where I get to release the pressure so I can get into more love, get into more manifestation, get into deeper levels of creation. Then you ask for that stuff to show up. You want it to show up and purge as quickly as humanly possible so that you get to play in this other state. Instead, what we do is it shows up. We go, no, thank you. I don't want this. This is wrong. This is bad. And you just get stuck in this loop. And I just said to him, I was like, this is such a great analogy for life. Do you mind if I share it? And he's like, yeah, yeah, feel because I didn't know what I could and what I couldn't say. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I got permission to share it. And um, yeah, I just want to share with you guys because it's it's really changed things for me. It's it's interesting because it's a concept that like I think we talk about. It was just like a different layer, a different way to slightly look at it. And I was like, I can really get behind that. Mm-hmm. Well, it also sounds like it's a, you know, a by allowing, right, the sensations to be there. I think the important part, or I know for me, the important part is a lack of judgment, like not bringing judgment yes. to, right? So like the, when, when you're in a beta state, there's, so Dispenza talks about this, there's three different levels. There's a low, medium, and high in beta state. Then you go down, to, you can drop into um, alpha, and then which, which is more like the creative state, like when people are in flow state, stuff like that, that's there. And then you have your theta states, and there's actually further ones down the rabbit hole, like gamma states, and gamma is like full enlightenment, stuff like that. Um, when people are in, in deep meditative practice, they're in theta. And that's kind of known as, um, it, it's almost like the world between sleep and wakefulness yep. is what good meditation usually feels like. Uh, and it's like body off, mind active state, basically. So when you're in those states, what I have found is there's just no judgment. There's just s- sensational experiences. And when there's no judgment, as the sensational experience leaves the body, it's like that's where the void is. Yeah. And that's where mantras are important, even if frequency is important. Because if you think about like the world creation, world like the, the universe came into being from a void, a sound was made, like a word, and something came into existence. And that's using tantric energy, like like creation energy. So for us, and right, when you are aligning chakra, and if the chakra is coming down, if you don't have alignment, the energy actually doesn't hit the root chakra, right? Which is like the sexual organs, basically. It doesn't hit the root chakra, which means you're not in your tantric energy, which means you're not in creation. And that's just because judgment just creates misalignment all the way down. So it's like judgment with the way I feel, judgments about my emotions, judgment about the thoughts, all that needs to be in alignment. As that starts coming down, there's then the void experience. And then there's like the, uh, I'm going to create. And that's where like you're basically resensationalizing the body, to what the mind perceives as occurring as that sensation. 
Say that one more time. Urias. So I don't know if I might be making this word up. I'm just using it for my own. Resensationalizing, meaning like reinterpreting this sensation within the body. Okay. So I've been using I've been using this analogy like uh, and I, I know you know this but I'll just say it again over here like I have an experience at something in my life that I was going through something somebody said that's love and then my mind went oh that's love and I took that sensation and I connected it like whatever sensation I was having in my body to yeah. love now I don't know that my sensation of love is the same as anybody else's sensation of love like for all I know the way Elon experiences hate in his body is the way I experience love in my body and and what I'm starting to see with sensations is like it's a unique fingerprint to you. There's no two people that could possibly be programmed the same around sensations because it's like that circumstance, that thought, everything that was unique about that particular moment in time created that for you. So it's like a unique fingerprint. And then we spend all our time trying to argue about who's having the right sensation, which is hilarious, <laughs> which is hilarious to me now. So when we think about that, right? So like your opportunity is most of the day you're having sensations in your body that are then having automated program running because you're no longer investing in the sensation and, and looking to reinterpret it. You're like, this is what the sensation means. That's it. I know and that this and, is- it's, and it's locked in forever, basically. Yeah, not, not forever, but like for most people, when they don't spend any time investigating their consciousness, yeah. it's like Dispenza says 5% of your life is lived in like a conscious state. The other 95% is like underneath that consciousness, which is like the automated programming in the mind and even deeper, the automated program that happens in the body. So it's like you're getting outside influences from your environment. That's creating some kind of sensational feedback. I've, I've been saying for Dispatia that your body is an input and output device. It receives information. It gives information. So it's like a tuning fork. So there's all this energy coming at you, creates sensations. That sensation creates an emotion. That cr- emotion gets interpreted into a feeling. That feeling is a thought. That thought becomes words. Those words become actions, like so on and so forth. So when you were just at the sensational level with zero judgment, it creates a void because now you've had that, you fully allow yourself to have that experience. And the moment that experience is fully had without the next interpretation about it, it's like that neuro pathway is firing in the mind. But when it gets to the end, it doesn't make a new connection because every time your brain resensationalizes something, it's looking for that next connection about whatever experience you're having right now and it's locking it in there further. Even what Vipassana does is allows you to get into that space of no craving, no aversion, no judgment. It's the void. It's basically the Tao. It's the space between craving and aversion. And because you're there and you're not creating new associations, the brain actually rapidly starts going back and breaking the associations that it had. And it creates this void for new experiences to be had around that sensation. And then suddenly it's like the same thing that your mom has said to you for 30 years. It's been annoying the shit out of you. Suddenly you have zero response to it and you're like, this is amazing. I love my mom because I'm not fucking judging her. So that's what I mean by resensationalizing. And I think that's truly the amazing power of meditation. It's, it's like said another way in modern contemporary speak. It's your opportunity to reprogram yourself. Yeah. And there's only so much you can do with mental understanding. Because if you're not down at the sensational level of the body, there's automated processes that are far beneath your conscious mind. Which means that no matter really how much conscious languaging you do, it's more of a, um, a symptom of what's happening within the body. So like Elon and I can listen to you talk and it's not so much what you're saying. It's giving us a clue to what's happening inside your body that allows us to see like, okay, well, this is the deeper subconscious belief in there. Here's where we need to go to work on it. And it's like that will not really get reprogrammed until you do plant medicines, uh, deep meditational work, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, the thing that resonates for me with meditation the most is all the work that most people do. And it's very necessary work. I think they they are uh, very, they, they play with each other very, very well. 
you know, Guy and I, for a long time, all work we did was cerebral. Like we just did mind work and it's really powerful. It's made us incredibly gifted at understanding human beings and the language patterns that people have. And someone can say three sentences and we can tell you what the thing is for them to work on, right? And what they would need to do and all that kind of stuff. Or what I find really fascinating is meditation takes that stuff and like Guy said, programs it into your heart and body. And so it allows this guidance system. And this is what I was trying to tell these entrepreneurs in New York. They were like, <laughs> I was, I given the distinction between mind and heart, you mm. know, and, and how you start using your heart as the guidance system. If you want money, relationships, life to be easy, you're just following the wrong guidance system. And what's fascinating, I mean, it's like, Every human being does this, but it was really interesting. And they were like, but how? But how? Yeah, but how? But how? Notice who's asking the question. And I just mm-hmm. kept going back to them, pointing it out to them. And that's when I brought up meditation. I was like, one of the easiest ways to tap into the new guidance system is you have to quiet the mind. For most people, you're not even able to listen to the heart until the mind quiets down. I'm not even talking about those that still consider their mind or the voice that they hear in their head themselves. Like that's step infant, right? You need to get to. And then it's like, okay, disassociating that aspect from you, realizing that it's this other entity constantly spraying thoughts at you that aren't your thoughts. A lot of people may think that there's something wrong with them because of the thoughts they have in their head. It's not even your thoughts. It's just stuff that's happening up there how you respond to that thought and how you let that thought guide you or paint your perception of the world, that's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so when you tap into this meditation, what I really, really am enjoying with TM is, A, it's super, super simple. Like there's, there's, it's simpler than anything else I've done. Even, you know, uh, there's, he was explaining like the different kinds of meditation. So like when you focus on breath or like an, uh, like, like Vipassana, that's focus meditation, right? Like you're focusing on this one thing. Actually, then, actually, actually, that's not completely accurate. Like, so he, so in Vipassana, the teachings are to actually move you away from focus meditating. You spent, you spend the first three and a half days focused on breath and the way they describe it is like, so like when you're focusing on it, well, here's the thing that I took away from it. Most people, when you're focusing on an object or a mantra or something like that, that's focused meditation, right? You're, you're letting the mind go on something. Yes. And they want you to actually move away from that. Interesting. However, however the process for doing that is like, think about that, like putting focus on something sharpens the mind. It makes it very sharp where it can focus on one one thing. Yes. So when they, when they study like, you know, people who are in the meditation monks, et cetera, what they look for is how long can they keep a single thought in the mind? And like your average human could do it for like eight seconds, something like that. Yeah. I think it's even less, uh, like a, someone in a, a deep meditation practice could be like eight, nine minutes, 10 minutes yeah. without like anything else entering, which is just like incredible. Right. So the whole point of Vipassana is actually to move you away from focus meditation. Interesting. So you're not focusing on breath, even though in the beginning you are. And I think the reason, so he wants you to focus on natural breath. It's not about altering your breath. It's like, can you observe literally natural breath? And I think what it does is it actually allows for entrance into the subconscious part of yourself. Because normally what we do is it's all about shoulds. Things should be different. I could do something different. So notice how for most of you guys, if you're doing meditation, 
the moment you put focus on your breath, notice that you change your breath. You're like, as if the body doesn't know how to breathe or breathing wrong. So you're like, I should be breathing differently. Like I should be breathing deeper. I should be breathing into my belly. I should be doing this. I should be changing my breath. And it's like, no, you're fine. You're alive. You weren't thinking about your breath a second ago and everything was hunky-dory. So it's like, if you can observe natural breath, you're actually observing an automated subconscious part of yourself. And I think that's what allows this like deeper entrance into this, like the theta, like the deep theta. So Vipassana is not about focused breath at all. Like I didn't think about my breath for seven days. Interesting. What, what you're doing is you are allowing for consciousness into the body. And all you're doing is you're doing a body scan. So that where, where it starts, I don't want to ruin this for anybody. But after three and a half days that he just tells you, put your awareness on the top of your head. Because for three and a half days, what you do while you're breathing is you're focusing on the sensations that that's causing. So you start like narrowing, narrowing the feel. Like in the beginning, it's like, just like on the nose and like this part or the nostrils going now. And then it's like this little area on the tip over here. And he's like, just see if you could feel sensations over here. It's tickling, it's moist, whatever, right? Like any sensation. And then like when they, and I thought that was Vipassana. And then like day four, he's like, now we're going to start Vipassana. And I'm like, what the fuck have we been doing? (laughs) (laughs) So then he's like, put your attention on the top of your head. And the moment I did that, it was like fire and tingles. I just felt like a flame, like over here. And then he's like, now move it over here. Now move it over here. No matter where I put it, I can literally feel the energy force in my body moving mm-hmm. at my request. And I got out of there and I, my mouth looked like this. Like, uh-huh. and, that's the, and that's the moment you want to talk to everybody because you're like, did you feel that too? Like, you know, because like, it feels like a superhero type of thing. And then for the next like six and a half days, it's deepening that observation ability to the point where I can literally light my entire body up like a Christmas tree. Um, so that that's what it is. So that it's really not focused meditation. Interesting. So yeah. this was the way that I it was explained to me is that this sound, like if you think words that come out of your mouth, okay, have basically two two aspects of it, right? The first aspect is meaning. So I say words, you guys hear words. Those words have meaning in your mind, and that creates a certain objective of what I'm saying. But if I was up here speaking Chinese and you had no fucking clue what I was saying, meaning would be gone, right? And all you'd be left with is sound, vibration, resonance. Mm-hmm. So what they found is that there are certain sounds and resonance that have the mind naturally fall into this pure consciousness realm. And what happens when you first start the practice is you you go through that yo-yo effect where it's like you're dropping, stress gets released, you're dropping. So it's almost like you with the chakras, right? Like you're trying to drop in, but then there's all these stressors that are popping up, popping up, popping up. Now, after doing this for a few months, a year or two years, you've cleared all or most of these stressors. And so what happens is you're, you allow the mind to just drop into this state mm. effortlessly over and over and over. And then they have like some advanced techniques, which actually allow you to drop in there faster. And then once you're there, they have this like super advanced technique. So if you can imagine like, you know, the below the surface stuff, like that's where pure consciousness is, right? They allow that there's another technique that basically allows you to just stay there. Mm. And, the, and you could stay there for like 30, 40, an hour at a time and just live in that world mm. consciously. And I was like, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, even with Vipasha, what I noticed is like, at, so in the beginning, I couldn't really do it with my eyes. Like, obviously, you close your eyes. 
um, a few days in because like the, the sensation in the body becomes literally like a physical experience that he had mentioned. He's like the continuity of your work. Um, he said something about the continuity of your work and I took it very literal, like don't stop meditating. But even when you're not meditating, be meditating, like never, never turn off the, the like the light switch basically. Yeah. So all you had to do is just like keep a part of your focus in your body at all times. That's how I found it. But in the beginning, so I could feel like energy, like an energy ball in my hand, right? Like while this practice is happening, I can still do it now or I could really do it anywhere. But in the beginning, there were certain body parts that were easier for me to sensationalize like your hand or my feet or like on the top of my head. But then I would like chew and like I could feel the muscles moving and it would like it would destroy my conscience. So I'm like, all right, that doesn't work. I'm like, so let me put it in my hand and I would like open a door or like touch a fork and like then it would leave. And I was like, okay, that doesn't work. So I'd like put it in my back or put it in my knees. But we had this walking path and I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do this with my eyes opened. Like that's what I was like committed to. So you see me like on this walking path and I can't do it with my eyes open yet. So I'm like, like this. And then I'll, I would like open my eye for a second. And I'm like, and I'm literally trying to like open my eyes and it's like, <laughs> like fighting it because I could feel it losing. And it took me about a day and a half of doing that. And then like eyes fully open and I'm like fully lit up like a Christmas tree. Hmm. And that's, and that's what it is now. Like anytime if I just put focus in, I immediately feel the energy flow in my body. And then if I just put observational like awareness on any body part, it starts expanding and growing like how much sensation I feel in the body. Mm-hmm. Now, look, most people, if you've done yoga, for yeah. instance, or any kind of meditation practice, you've experienced this too. Even if it's at a low level, like they'll put you into, um, what's it called at the end there? Shavasana. Shavasana, thank you. And then they'll be, and then if like a yogi practice, well, they'll be like, all right, now put your awareness on your feet. They don't tell you why you're doing it, but you'll start feeling like little tingles in there and stuff like that. That's you creating that sensation because you're being focused attention over there. Matter and energy is moving there. And because matter and energy is moving there, it's starting to vibrate. And that's what you're really sensing. So you can literally elevate that practice. And I imagine the great avatars, Jesus, Buddha, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like water into wine is having that practice at such a deep level that your consciousness is at the subatomic level. And because of that, like your awareness literally will move matter and reconfigure cells and all that kind of stuff. And, and that was kind of what I left with because I was starting to see, uh, like taste that basically my own experience. Yeah. I mean, he told me flat out, he said that at some point you get to a place where waking and, and meditating is exactly the same. You're just living in this state of pure consciousness. Um, but that's, you know, after God knows how long of, of doing this meditation practice. Sure. And it's interesting that you brought up yoga. The, the full TM practice is uh, 10 to 15 minutes of yoga postures. Stre- not even yoga postures. They're more like stretches that you do in yoga. Okay. Um, so you do that with breath, right? Then they do an interesting uh, yogic breath technique for five minutes to basically calm the mind down, et cetera. Then they go into TM for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. and it's just 20 minutes. TM is like, you basically in it for, it's like 30 seconds in the beginning just to get into it. Then you do the mantra. What happens is though, what, when it, when I found it to be incredible is at some point you just lose the mantra. So at first the mantra is like very clear. Then the mind takes it over and the mantra changes. Mm. The pitch changes, the way it sounds changes, the frequency, the pace, all of it changes. And at first I was really trying to like 
bring it back and controlling it and saying it right. And he's like, no, 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 just let the mind do its thing. And then it gets to the point where it's not even a mantra anymore. It's like a feeling. It's like a pulse inside the body. And you know, it's still there, but you're not there. Yeah. Like physically you're, you don't feel any part of your body. You don't feel any, like if I was in that moment, so it happened to me once uh, in the class, we did 10 minute. He, he said, all right, now come out. And I was like, come out. <laughs> fuck was I? Yeah. Um, it happened to me at home for like three minutes. And then, uh, well, I don't know for how long, but like the alarm rang. And then the other day I got in there so fast. Like it, I like just dropped in and then all of a sudden the phone rang and I, I swear to God, I didn't even know where I was. Mm. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like, this is like when, when he talks about in, in Surrender Experiment and Untethered Soul and all these other books where they sit on a rock and like a day will go by. I'm like, if you got into that state and you were clear, you could stay there for forever. Like, like it, it's, I get like what would happen is eventually a stress would come out and like a thought bubble would come and it would kind of like snap you and you'd be like, oh my God. And I'm sure that at some point it's something like that's how they get into that state and just stay there for, you know, days at a time. And like, mm. wait, I'm still sitting on this rock. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, it was, yeah, it was, it was very, very fascinating. Um, I'm, I'm very excited. Um, I have a question for you for anyone that's watching this or listening to this back and hasn't started a practice. Yeah. Um, what, what would you recommend? Because obviously we're, we're massive proponents of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think for most people, guided meditation of some kind is probably the most effective. Like, I think the six-phase meditation is great. And it, it, you know what? I don't think it's a strong meditation practice. I think it's, it, it elicits a lot of the things that you really want to work on as daily habits while in meditation. So, like, I'm profoundly aware of, of like, creating the sensation of gratitude in all practice. And I mean like gratitude for all things, whatever occurs to you as negative states, positive states, doesn't matter. Nothing transforms without gratitude where we're shame, where shame and blame is the lowest frequency for me, gratitude and love are the highest frequencies yeah. that you can apply. And for most people, they do see things transform when they apply gratitude. If you have even terminally ill or cancer, the beginning of that healing is like having gratitude for this opportunity to transform everything in your life. And then forgiveness, right? Because nothing happens without forgiveness and that's like leads to gratitude. So I think he applies a lot of really good, even mental construct principles that unless you get that, that shit handled, you're, it's hard to drop into a really powerful meditation practice. So I think the six phase meditation, which is what's a vision. Vision Lakiani. Lakiani, thank you. I can never get his last name. Lakiani um, from uh, Mind Valley. You can find that on YouTube. I would, even, I, would, I would even start, I would tell you, if you're someone who's like been on the fence about meditation, I would even start with the book, uh, which is Code of the Extraordinary Mind. And, and the whole book, I'm pretty sure he wrote the book to lead people to start meditating. Like, you don't get it, but the last chapter is all about, all right, now here's how it's all done. And it's just like a chapter dedicated meditation. And it's all about, he, he debunks the three biggest things that people have about meditation, which is, I don't have time. Am I doing it right? And is this, is this working for me? Like, you know, noticing that it's actually working. Um, so if you haven't and started and you have any of those concerns, it's a great book anyway. So and then the six-phase meditation is basically part of that. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And then I think just like a com app and stuff like that, you know, the, the, I think the issue is where you kind of touched upon is like people get into meditation practice and they're like, am I doing this right? And then meditation has nothing to do with what you're doing at all. It's just kind of allowing for whatever experience is there to be there. I mean, Vipassana is the same way. It brings up all sorts of emotional experiences for people from like, I think just like plant medicine, like erotic pleasure to just the depths of hell. Um, Cause I've had friends go there and have like mental breakdowns and then like rebuild themselves within a few days. Uh, and that just happens for me. It was a really peaceful, beautiful, wonderful experience. It served me, you know, and it served all them. Like every friend I've had that's done Vipassana after me, I would consider today some of the more elevated people that I spend time with. Yeah. It's interesting. This is why I say that the work that we do, on the front end with people, this this cerebral mind stuff is so important. It makes, you know, you guys were talking to you guys about uh, Columbia and plant medicines and stuff like that. I fully believe that it is irresponsible of us to send people there without having done a very specific process before going there. Like you could seriously lose your fucking mind. Um, both in Vipassana and plant medicines, it's, it's, you have to know what you're getting into from a, just a physical experience. And more than that, if you want to really go deep, having this mind somewhat not under control, that's the wrong word, having an understanding of how it operates and what it does and all that stuff and like how you function and where your limitations are, et cetera, is so, so important before you go do these things. Here's what I would say is the ultimate way to start meditating. Commit, and and I'll tell you how you can do this um, in a a powerful way. Um, Commit to doing a 30-day meditation challenge, meaning every day, it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes, you can use the Calm app, you can use YouTube, you can whatever you want either in the morning or at night or in the middle of the day, I don't care when commit to doing every day for 30 days. Mm. So one of the things that, and bro, maybe you want to drop the link. We have a uh, public have it all group. Okay. It's a, it's a group on Facebook. It's called Satori prime have it all. And it's a public group. We also have a private one just for those people that are actually in our Academy. So whether you're in our Academy, you know, you can post that in there. If not in our Academy, post it in the public group. And here's what I found that even for me, you know, I did the 30 day challenge for myself where I cut out alcohol. I cut out desserts after lunch and dinner and things like that. Um, There were moments, even for me, that I, my mind was like, go get that piece of chocolate. You know, you deserve it or go do this or, you know, have that glass of wine, whatever. And honestly, only because I had said that 30 day challenge publicly. Again, I knew no one was coming. It's not like you guys are hunting me down and going to come to my house and eat me up. Like no one's going to post on my wall and like, oh, you suck. You're a scam, blah, blah, blah. And it's in the back of your mind. Like I publicly said that I'm going to do this. And even if that stops you for half a second and gives you that half a second of breath to really then choose again, go, "Mm, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. That's a lot of power. So with a 30 day meditation practice, if you publicly commit, and that's why I'm giving you that amazing venue, which is our, uh, our group. If you go there and publicly say, 
here's what I, I'm committed to doing. I'm committed to waking up 10 minutes early every day, listening to a calm meditation every morning before I get started. If I don't get it in the morning, I will make it up at some point during the day. Like get really clear on how this is going to look for you. Because here's what I found. Once you do 30 days, it's a very, very good chance that you will never stop. Mm -hmm. Because what's happened is, and this has happened for pretty much everyone that I know, they'll do it for 30 days, right? And they're really vigilant for those 30 days. And then someday, like 36, 37 comes around and they don't do it that day. Okay. And they don't, it's not like they're upset that they don't do it or anything like that. They just don't feel right anymore. Like that day won't feel the same. You won't be as effective. You won't be as calm. You, whatever your experience is. And they're like, holy shit, that really works. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I say 30 days is so important is because if you're going to just do it once, you know, let's say like three times a week or four times a week, which is a great start, you're not going to have that compounding effect where on the days that you don't do it, you feel it. Like I took off almost 60 days from alcohol. The longest time I've ever not drank since I started drinking. This past Saturday, we actually went to a wine tasting and I really, like I've been feeling so good that I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drink. And then I showed up and it was like 15 different wines from Italy and none of which I've tried. And I was like, ah, fine. So I like made the mind switch. I was like, you know what? Enjoy this. Like, enjoy this. And I did. I had a blast and it was wonderful. And then the day after, even though like I was so much better about controlling myself, like I, I, when, when I say tastings, like I had them pour me like four drops and I was literally just like tasting four drops and I was pouring anything out that I didn't like very different from the way that I would normally taste wine, which is like, give me the cup, give me the cup, give me the cup, you know, get blasted. Um, And even still the day after I just felt slow and groggy and not clear and this and that. And it was almost like, as much fun as I had, I was like, you know what? This feeling ain't fucking worth it. Nope. And I only felt it because I hadn't done it for 60 days. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you, you feel the vast difference when you're in something or out of something for a long time. And that's why the 30-day meditation is just awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So that's the biggest tip that I can give you. I'll take it even a step further and... <laughs> Just brutal honesty, right? Um, so I haven't been drinking on the weekends either. I've had I've had like a glass of wine here and there, and even that I could feel the difference. Yeah, so like the, like the day after, I'm sluggish. So ever since we've gotten back, I'm at this like heightened, elevated state. Now on the weekends, I haven't had time to sleep. So as just like a pure, I need to stay awake, especially the other night with like DJing and stuff. I slept four hours the night before. I was exhausted the entire day. I took some adafinil earlier, earlier like around four p.m., and then I had an opportunity to take a nap at seven for like an hour and I couldn't nap because the modafinil kept me awake. And then, but my mind was like sleepy. So I get, I get to this event. I took some MDMA, which usually will like blast my heart open. And I'm like in this really good space. And all MDMA has done for me is give me energy, like just to keep me awake. I didn't feel almost a shift in my energy space at all. I wasn't like more open. I'm at that place where I'm that open, where like it's doing nothing to me, or yeah. at least that's what it feels like right now. That's my interpretation. I didn't know that to be true. And, you know, I took enough where I would like be able to feel a physical difference in my consciousness or how my heart feels. And there was nothing like people don't know what to make of me right now. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's kind of fun. So I'll share something, and I didn't get into any of the conversations we wanted to get into, well, that I wanted to get into, but which is fine. It could always happen later on. I'll just like share a miracle with you guys. So, like, you know, I'm out here in California for a little over four years now. I also have amazing community in New York, like Elon and all my friends out there, which I love and adore. And look, you know, time and space does its own thing. Like, I'm not connected with those people as much as I used to be. And it's like, it's one of those things that when we get together, it's like nothing has changed, right? You know, you got to go where you left off and stuff like that. At the same time, four years, I'm completely different human being yeah. than I was four years ago. And if I and if I wanted to be seen that way by that community, it would then be my responsibility to go and share the things that have happened to me so that I can like realign their stories about me that I've created with them so that they can see me newly. And Elon and I had an experience about this like uh, in September around relationships and love and something that I said that like created the trigger between me, him and um, his wife. And it was really just nothing more than we haven't had a conversation about the upgrades I'd been through. So it was like, they were interacting with me like my past and I wasn't checking out of my past anyway, so on and so forth. So um, Elon came back from uh, Columbia and while he was away, his wife went to like some event in New York and a lot of her friends expressed like concern over what he was doing like out in Columbia. And you know, what we've seen, and we've seen this since we started doing transformational work, is that when you go and you expand quickly, it becomes a threat to people that know you because, and it's not a bad thing. It's like they love you. They want the best for you. And you're, you're altering your state in ways that sometimes they can't understand. And that becomes a threat to their ego. Yeah. And to like what they're comfortable with because it's like they want you the way that you are. And like you start changing. They're like, fuck, is he not going to be my friend anymore? You know, is he going to not drink anymore? <laughs> like all these things that we, we like, blah, blah, blah. So, and then when you got home, you sat with friends and I think you blew their minds because they, they not just saw the shift in like language and that you're talking to good game. It's like your physical presence and the energy you're outputting is such that they've never experienced before. And that's yeah. such a beautiful thing. So I think you opened up a lot of eyes and a lot of hearts at the same time. So I got a phone call from Ben, um, yesterday evening, like late, like 10 PM yeah. his time. And I wasn't going to pick it up. And then I, I get the, the thing going like, pick up the phone call. <laughs> so I pick it up and he started sharing with me like that experience about you coming home. And he's like, you know, I, I, he's like the last few times we've talked and for a while now, he's like, what I do is I start comparing myself to you and having all these judgments. Like I got to tell you all the great stuff I'm doing too, you know, blah, blah, blah. And those kind of stuff. And he goes, I've gotten like, he's like, I've actually been separating myself slowly from you over time, not really consciously, but it's been happening. And then like, wow. where I find this like struggle in communicating with you, I don't feel connected to you, da, 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 da. And he goes, so you must have given them access to our training programs. I did. Well, well, Ben actually wants to coach. To coach, right? So you told him, like, here's what you got to do about just first seven. Yeah. Now, granted, that's coaching from like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And that's like nowhere near where we are now. Like, I, I'm like, wow, that stuff is, is old, you know? <laughs> And he calls me, he goes, you know, I've watched his first two recordings. He's like, I was, he's, he's like, for lack of a better word, he's like, I'm blown away by you. Um, he's like, the stuff you guys talk about, he's like, the way you're training, how you're coaching people. He goes, I had no idea. And it's funny because, you know, I'll put up content and the only people who don't really respond to my content ever is like the New York crew. They never even, they really don't review much of my content, which is fine. Again, like I have nothing about that. It's just, it's just, I, I could tell that they're not interacting with my, my stuff now. And it's a lot of like old programs like Ferdman's hyperbole, you know, we, we talk it up too much and stuff like that, or, or we get too excited and stuff like that. And it's like, that's, and it got, I'm like, wow, that's, those old stories are blocking them from receiving how much we can offer right now. 
And so he just like let it out and cleared the whole thing. We ended up having this beautiful conversation. I offered him a few points. I mean, like, the last thing he wrote to me, I just want to pull it up really quick. Because it was just like, honestly, it, it felt like magic to me, this whole experience. I don't know if I can give how beautiful this experience is for me, like having him call it. The last thing he wrote to me is, I wrote him this whole thing. He writes, I don't know what it all means because he just doesn't know what I'm talking about. Talking about but he's like, but I feel aligned to it. And he writes, like a half an hour later, he writes to me, the conversation we had has blown my energy centers wide open. And it was just so beautiful. So I told him, I'm like, like here I'm training my community big time because one of the visions I had of our universe is a universe that has a relationship where every entity here both feeds and is being fed on at the same time. And if you even think the way like a plant grows, really how anything, everything's cyclical, like a plant comes out of the ground, almost like a dolphin, like popping out of the water and then going back into the ground, decaying, give the ground nutrition and then growing back again. And then over and over again, it does that. So we're kind of the same way. And so when I came home, I could be like, oh, this is my experience. This is so good. Like everyone's going to see how awesome I am. And I'm like, that's stupid. I'm like, I get fed through my environment. So like the people I spend time with around are the one that are energizing me. And then I in turn energize them. So like we feed on each other and we, we feed and we, and we feed on each other uh, or we, you know, we get, or we feed on that and then they feed you back. So I came home and I was like, I'm just going to see what I can do about training people to open up these things. I told Benny the same thing. I'm like, if you guys are really open, I'm more than happy to have those conversations. I'm like, cause it's, it's been my outside my scope of consciousness that I haven't been responsible for what I could provide that environment also and how profound that could be. And, I, and immediately I felt like misalignment with that. So there's a huge opportunity now to really like open up a whole new realm of possibility for all these people. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. It's kind of like Landmark said way back in the day, you know, you get dropped into a community in Africa that doesn't know your language and doesn't know who you are from a hole in the wall and they experience transformation just by the virtue of you being there. I, I've literally felt that experience. And it's interesting because now even the questions, like we had Eugene and I here yesterday and they've been watching. I, I gave all our friends like our live event footage. Mm. And I think like, so two of them have actually taken time to watch it. So Eugene and Anna have actually been watching it at nights, like together. Um, and so she then started taking a meditation class in her thing. And like, she comes to the house and is asking me all these questions about meditation and stuff like that. And it's just really interesting how things have shifted such that people feel comfortable now in a new way to have those conversations. Yes. And, it, and it's really, really interesting. And I, and I think it's going to continue to happen. You know, I'll tell you, like, Leon told me something the other day. He's like, he actually came out. And he's like, dude, I just want you to know that I don't watch a lot of your stuff or comment on your stuff because to me, you're Elon. And I know the stuff that you post is like work stuff and personal development. It's Tory Prime stuff. And I want to know you as Elon. And I was like, dude, that's where he's at. Right. And I was like, I got nothing about it. Like, I don't, when people watch or don't watch us, like I, I, it's, it's not about that. Like, I, I'm not one of these, like, Oh my God, someone didn't like my post or they didn't leave a con. Like, I'm not doing it for that. Sure. First one. Right. We're, we're really out there to cause cosmic ripples, you know, like thanks to you guys, every single one of you that are on here and continue to show up on here. How do you, continue that ripple 
what are you doing in your life to the people that you love and are connected to, to continue these ripples and these messages of love and goodness and forgiveness and peace and all of that kind of stuff. It's us guys. No one else has to sign up for anything, right? Like they don't have to follow the same programs. They don't have to do anything. It's you do the work and the people around you will transform. Yeah. And that's all there is to do is just be, there's nothing to do. Just be. So, um, yeah, I invite you guys, uh, for those of you that, that don't have a meditation practice, for those of you that want to sharpen your meditation practice and make it a daily meditation practice, uh, Guy left a link for our Satori Prime classroom. Um, definitely jump in there. And um, so it's, what is it, facebookgroup.com backslash groups backslash Satori Prime classroom. So you guys can see that there. That's our public mastermind. Go in there and declare. You know, declare it also on your personal wall, right? Make it known that this is something that you're up to. You'd be amazed at the support that people will pour onto you. You know, I never, like, I I was not one of these people that was going to post my my body pictures or workout pictures or anything like that. I just sat there one day. I looked at myself. I was like, you know what? I want to do a 30-day challenge. And I knew that if I said it to myself, it'd be one thing. And if I posted it, it'd be a whole different thing. So I did it. And it was probably like one of the most commented, liked posts I ever have. People are amazed when people go do things. They just are. They will support you. So trust that and do that. Yeah, I was going to say, like for me, um, coming out of uh, coming out of Colombia, one of the things that just became so important is like a sense of liberated self-expression. Mm. Like no holds back, no holds barred. Like if this is there for you, you express it. Um, it's just, you know, like today I actually uploaded my first live. Um, DJ said, and it's like, what does that have to do with Satori Prime? It has nothing to do with our company, but it has everything to do with my self-expression. And what I got from there is like Satori Prime is, an, is for me now, is, is access for people to see an example of what it's like to live in a liberated self-expression format, where it's like there, there's nothing that needs to be withheld. So if part of my self-expression is like, I'm, I'm putting myself in, in best shape of my life, my body is younger. I mean, I look at my face, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? My face looks eight, young, eight years younger to me. Like I significantly look younger than last year. Uh, my, I feel like my wrinkles are going away. It's just like, I, I look at my face and I'm like, wow, how did this happen? And not how does this happen? I'm super clear on how it's happening. So a lot of this is like, we bottle so much. Like, <laughs> this is going to be funny. And I could post this video because I really just don't give a shit anymore. Uh, my friend Lauren came in like a pink tutu to uh, this black light party on Saturday. And this tutu got around. Like this tutu was a whore. Um, it made its rounds to everybody. So I got I got the pink tutu oh, and I went not up. Lauren, the tutu. The tutu. Lauren is one of my best friends in the world. I love her to pieces. Uh, but the tutu got around. Like every guy ended up wearing this pink tutu at some point in time. And like it was funny, some would grab it and like really embrace the tutuness. And others was like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then like eventually put it on and just make an ass out of themselves. But like I went on stage and there was this beautiful girl, Adele, that kept like going on stage and dancing, and she was wearing a pink tutu. So I was like, Hey you, like pink tutu off, right? And for like three minutes, we we like had this like dance off like on the stage in front of everybody. Uh, that's awesome. And it's like it's just like not giving a fuck. Like it was so much fun in that moment to like get into that archetype and like own the shit out of that thing. And like you know whether people are watching or not, whether there's a camera on you or not, 
It's the perception of that thing watching you. It's not that thing being there. You can create the context of any time. I could be like, I'm in my room dancing all by myself. Close my freaking eyes and go there and have the time of my life and not worry about anybody's perception of anything. Plus, whatever perceptions are coming to them are their judgments about themselves and their inability to deal with that level of self-expression. Yep. They're not making fun of me dancing in a tutu. They can't handle themselves being in a tutu and having that level of self-expression. Yes. So it occurs as funniness. It's like when you're when you're doing like eye gazing or being with somebody and you're laughing because in that moment, there's a part of you that always judges how you look. And that laughter is like you trying to deal with that moment. It's not about anything's really funny. So yeah, like the freedom and the connection that I feel today with every person I come in, in contact with is expanding my mind. And one last thing I'll share, just like, these are like little min, like miniature things that are wins, but I'm like, wow, you know, so we're, we're in this uh, amazing house, again, this guest house um, uh, in this equestrian countryside here in Marietta. Beautiful. Like, I'm, this house is, brah, like, unsurreal un- gorgeousness. And we're about to, like, head out to wine country and, and do what Elon did yesterday, which is not not drink all the wine but have some sips. And then I get here, and, you know, in these moments where you, like, come to somebody's house, so, like, they're super sweet and Airbnb and the whole cute thing. And, like, usually those people come up to me and they're, like, strangers. And there's that part of you that's like, I really like this, but... Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm never so sure. Like, how do we end this quickly? And I can get back to being really relaxed in my body. And like, they come out and I'm like, hi. And like, give them these like really deep hugs, like spend some time with us. And my victory is like that. I feel so connected to them. I'm not trying to get out of the conversation. I'm not trying to end it short. I'm enjoying every minute. I'm like, whatever time I go with these people, I'm going to like savor it, like dessert, like good food and like really get to feel them and know them. That's never been my experience in my entire life. I've spent a lifetime studying myself to try to free judgment that I thought other people had on me, which was a judgment that I really had on myself. Mm. That I And what I eventually now have come to is I think most of us are waiting for the circumstance to change. And even me with all my development, I'm like, something's going to happen in some period of time that will alter my the way that I feel about things. But the truth is it's sensation programming inside your body that's having that happen and we're looking externally for enough money to be there or for the relationships to change or something when ultimately i think the truth is it's what are you giving yourself permission to be and i never gave myself permission to be approved by other people i consistently must have felt judged on some level and i consistently felt that i was not being accepted and I think that's where all this work is. And I look at my life and that's how my peer groups are always set up for me to always kind of be on the fringe of everything. Yep. So I couldn't dance in front of people in a tutu because I wasn't accepting and approving of myself. It had nothing to do with them. And the moment I, I literally started meditating on that, being like, I now give myself permission to be approved and accepted. I have to give that permission in order to have that experience. So now that's like across the board, I just feel so connected and accepted and approved by everybody that it's like, what can't I do in front of people? Nothing. I'll be naked in front of you. I'll throw in front of you. I don't give a shit anymore. There's nothing like a cry in front of you. I'll everything in front of you. It doesn't matter to me because I don't have this experience of someone's judging or not approving me. I don't care anymore. Um, And I mean that in the most beautiful way. So it's been this really, really altered state of being human and how much I'm like enjoying everyone's company. No one's an asshole to me anymore. Everyone's just an opportunity to love. It's 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 such a good point, you know. We're like liberated self-expression, which is everything we've been talking about. When you go there, 
there will be those that get made very uncomfortable by your liberation. And what they're uncomfortable with, because what it's showing them is all of their limitations in being that liberated. And there are going to be those that are just so open and magnetized and drawn to you. And even those that aren't yet will eventually, right? Mm -hmm. It's just your experience of life is so shifted. And so for all of those guys that are listening, right? Seek today where you have resistance to some sort of liberated self-expression in your life. Look at what is... What could be the next level that you could investigate or begin an inquiry with? Well, why am I so afraid to do that? Or why am I so afraid to say that? Or why, when I get into this situation, I do this? Like, get into that inquiry and put yourself in that situation. One of the, one of the people in our academy was terrified to speak in front of people. And I got to a point where we were just going back and forth, back and forth. I was like, dude, if you're not doing it here, you're not doing it anywhere. And he got it. And then eventually he was like, you know what? I'm going right now. I'm going to find a group of three people and I'm just going to go sit and talk to them, which I knew for him was fucking terrifying. And he did it. And I was like, how do you feel? He's like, unbelievable. Why? Because now he, to himself, he's Superman. That's liberated self-expression. And you guys all have that access now. Not like a decade from now with a bunch of work. Like now get that it's, might be uncomfortable and then it might put you out of your comfort zone and all that stuff. But like everything you actually really want is there anyway. Mm. You're not going to get what you really want being comfortable. Right. And just get that. Like comfort is just a state of mind, right? You say what's comfortable and not comfortable. So expand your breath of what comfort could be stretch, you know, like yoga, right? You, you, you find that place in yoga where it's just slightly above what would be just super comfortable, right? You always take that one degree and yoga is a great example. Cause it's not like doing heavy weight lifting where you're like really trying to like muscle and force yoga is the exact opposite. Yoga is like, let your body fall into that natural state. So just find what that thing is and go do like that one or 2% more and just get comfortable with that. Now you're like, oh, I can do that pretty easily. And mm-hmm. then go do 1% and 2% more. And you just keep doing that. And you just keep expanding every single day. Do something every day that will stretch you just that little bit more. You'll be unrecognizable in 12 months. Totally. All right, guys. Um, again, 30-day challenges. Do something big for yourself. Call yourself out on something, whatever it is. It could be meditation. It could be your fitness. It could be your finance. It could be your relationships. Do something for the next 30 days that will utterly expand and shock you 30 days from now. All right, guys. We love you. Thank you for joining us. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. 
Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love, promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends. 